Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's um, Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to go out of order and do the tefillah today. i tell you the truth, I couldn't talk yesterday. I'm in terrible pain. I have a gout, unfortunately. Um, I don't know if there are any gout doctors out there listening. It's a very painful business, so you can knock you out. Um, today's a little bit better, uh, so let me see if I can... I read something in the paper, and that's what made me uh, want to do this out of order. I'll, I'll get to everything this week. Um, I'll get right down to it. So this is we'll call this the tefillah podcast. Uh, from Mishpacha Stefanski, and let's get underway. There's a guy who wrote a very interesting piece that caught my eye in one of these um, online newspapers. And basically what he said, you know, blogs and things like that. I look at them sometimes. The point of the matter is, he said, the title was something along the lines that they're not really learning for us. This is obviously a non-from person, uh, British, I believe. And he was saying, he was expressing anger that the uh, Haredib in Israel claimed that they're learning for everybody else, but really they're not. They're dominant for everybody else, they're really doing just for themselves. If I understand what he said correctly, he's saying like this, listen, we pay them, uh, we subsidize them to society, the taxes, you know, the government gives a big uh, amount of money to the Haredim, at least until the new government. Nobody knows what's going to happen now that you have Bennett and that whole group, but whatever. And uh, the whole theory in general is they're doing something that's worthwhile for the nation. Otherwise, why should the, why should the public give them money? And really, they're not. They're only working for themselves. They only care for themselves. And he said something along the lines, I wish that they would daven for me or learn for me. Now, I didn't get the impression this guy's orthodox at all. I don't know him, but you know. I didn't get that all, but I thought it was very interesting when he said, "I wish they would do that," uh, not in a, uh, I, you know, a, a Mary Poppins kind of way, but he was speaking, you know, not cynically, but real. And anyway, it caught my attention, and that made me think of a basic uh, yisod when it comes to davening as well. And that's the reason I'm talking about this this morning. So I'm going to be mixing davening with politics, which you're supposed to, correct? Or do you believe that davening and politics are two separate areas? Actually. That's not Jewish. I'm just pointing this out. I'm taking this opportunity to point this out. Tefillah is a major part of politics. When you dove, the way they set up the Shemin Esri, for example, is a lot of has to do with national needs. Uh, you know, Baruch uh, which is for economics, Tekabash of which is for the Geula, and so forth. You know, uh, I don't have to tell you, you know, these are all politics, correct? We pray every day, and we're supposed to anyway, that there should be a radical change in international politics. Litovas claw Yisrael. I mean, that's that's what you're praying for every day, right? Um, and all the rest of it. Um, that's a long list, baby, right? Maybe you don't have Kavana for the rest of it. Boy, that's easy to have kavod, right? There's something wrong if you don't. 
and so forth and so on. Okay, <clears throat> so um, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Uh, I assume, I, again, I don't know the guy, but I'm assuming he's a Chiloni or something like that. Uh, as we all know, the state of Israel has evolved in very funny ways. Um, and people are still at different time warps in relation to the modern state of Israel, in my opinion, which is all I ever have. Uh, as we all know, when they set up the state of Israel in 48, 49, 50, that's when Ben-Gurion made this deal that they won't draft the Yeshiva guys. Torosa Umnoso, that was the language at that time. The ton have been written on this ever since. And, you know, the usual line is, he only meant a couple hundred, now it's a million, you know. But uh, the idea, w w w why did this happen? It's a very good question. Now, here you have an, a, an unbelievable tangle of politics. So I'm going to be mixing feel with history and everything today. Unbelievable mix of politics. Um, why would Ben-Gurion, a guy like him, uh, want to make such a deal? Uh, why would he grant this to the Haredim? Now, you could be very cynical about this and say it all had to do with coalition politics. If you know the real super nitty-gritty inside details of the politics of the late 40s, early 40s, the first years of the state, it's not exactly true. Uh, he could have gotten away without making an exemption. Uh, believe me, uh, the public wasn't even in the mood for it at that time. But he did it anyway. Now, he wasn't exotic. You know, he loved learning. Uh, but on the other hand, he wasn't a monster that he's portrayed either. He was a screwed up guy. He didn't know much about Yiddishkeit. But he had a strong feeling of Yiddishkeit. You hear what I just said? He didn't know much about Yiddishkeit, because he didn't, but he had a strong feeling for it. And he came from a firm family. His brothers and all that were Shomer Shabbos. I mean, the ones who lived in Israel. Maybe you notice, maybe you don't notice. He had relatives that he brought to Israel in the 20s or 30s. They had kiosks in Tel Aviv and places like that. They weren't socialist or anything. It was green, you know, green. I think he brought his father over also. It's just a funny story. That's like for a separate podcast sometime. Maybe. And he was, my point is, I guess, he was willing to do it. He didn't want it to be big, because he didn't want, for a whole bunch of reasons, Ben-Gurion didn't want to, from, as to take off as a movement, because otherwise you'd have, like you have today, that they're a political force, and they could, what do you call it, you know, take over the country. Um, although I don't think there was much chance of that in the late 40s. But it's also true that he wanted the opposite of America. He wanted uh, not separation of church and states, but the reverse of that. <clears throat> the attachment of church and state. It's a very complex subject, but to, to cut to the chase and give you the bottom line, as I understand it, the state of Israel, especially in those days, had to have mixture of church and state for the Islam. People just don't realize you had over 100,000 Muslims living in the state of Israel after the 48 war, in the Green Line, as they call it. And these guys, if they're left alone, uncontrolled, they couldn't organize a whole Muslim thing. He was afraid they would uh, hurt the government, which they could, and they owned a lot of property and whatever. There are especially books on this. And he wanted a situation in which he did achieve that, no, all religions controlled by the government, Christian, Jewish, and Islam. The government appoints the rabbis, the Qadis, and all the other business. And that way he controlled militarily the Islamic religion during his uh, lifetime, you know, during, during his years. So he also wanted they should control the Jewish religion, even though they didn't do it the same way at all. But there should be a mixture of the religion. 
Now, he was willing that they should, they basically, the Rashivas went to him and they said, oh, listen, Hitler killed out the Holy Shiva world. This is the sheriff's plate, the leftover, and this should survive. And he said, all right, I hear that. You know, I hear that. There should be a few that should, that should survive. You know, he didn't figure it would grow the way it is today. But he, at that time, he was willing to do it. So from a cold, calculating point of view, he was willing to do it because he didn't see it as a threat. You know, a small group of, of full-time learners. He didn't want to mess with the Haredi society that way. Plus, he was afraid that they would become very uh, violent. I don't mean physically violent, but be you know, they'll all be like Natura Karta. He didn't want that either. So in order to keep them from all becoming a super Natura Karta, so he made these concessions, uh, especially the one about the Yeshiva guys. I think that was, like, that was the central one. But the official idea was you're saving a sheriff's plate that was almost killed by Hitler. It was never articulated the way I'm about to say, but it's sort of like implied to some degree. And that is, these guys are also helping. You know, I wouldn't say Ben-Gurion, uh, who was not exactly an atheist, common to popular belief. He just was a Chiloni. The Chiloni is not identical with atheism. Many are. It's true. It's a complex phenomenon. Many certainly are principled atheists. But there were plenty who were turned off by Yiddishkeit, turned by Frum, didn't want to be bound by anybody else or anybody else's beliefs. Didn't want to be... No, they hate the control aspect of Frumkite, which I can totally understand. You have to do this. You have to think this. You'll be punished if you don't think... So they're very anti-clerical, extremely. <laughs> Let's face it, the Frum are often a turn-off. And uh, they want to do whatever they want to do. So don't tell me what to do on Shabbos. Don't tell me what to do over here. But if you would ask Ben-Gurion or uh, uh, Eshkol... Or people like that. Not the Golden Goldemir was rock talking atheist. Yes, yes. Moshe Sharet was talking atheist. So you have to know who's who. Jabotinsky, by the way, was atheist. I think. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But anyway, uh Ben Gurion, these guys, they yeah, there could be something out there. In fact, there may very well be. It's not identical with the simple reading of the Bible. But, you know, in their mind, there was something out there. Uh if you know the story of Ben Gurion's relationship with the Yaakov Herzog was his deputy for a while, you, you you would know what I'm talking about. Anyhow, so he had these uh, funny feelings, and uh, he was willing to nurture this uh, small group. The general idea was, and the way the firm at that time talked was, the army's protecting the nation, but the learners are also protecting the nation. You get it? It's a different type of protection. One, and it's an old Jewish idea, of course, you know? David Melch had an army of fighters. He also had an army of learners. It's an old idea that the uh, Talmud Torah itself is a protection for the nation. Uh, these are used in general terms. Do we believe this? We say it. Do we believe it? The from should believe it. Well, it depends. Is the state of Israel worthy of this kind of protection? You understand? Uh, is a non-from business was started on the basis of uh, Chilonib? either atheism or certainly not a subject, subjection to the Torah. So you consider that a terrible thing or just a bad thing or it's a it's a work in progress. You know, how do you deal with that? It was never clear. The Aguda has never been clear in this. The Torah Tukarta is clear and the Kippasruga is clear. The Aguda is not clear, right? The Torah Tukarta says it's the work of the devil. The uh, Kippasruga says 
it's a Mashiach time, Reishi Tzmichat Gulatenu. And the Agoda is like in the middle. And at that time, you're talking about the old generation of Agoda pre-Rav Shach. You're talking about the Pani Bisharov, people like that. Cheskel Sarna. And so they were like in the, you know, blurred on purpose in terms of the exact Ashkava. Nobody liked the fact that the state is uh, Bechal Shabbos and, and so forth and so on. On the other hand, they consider the state a precious business, especially after the Holocaust. Especially after the Holocaust. Plus, from the point of view, in, as, as I understand it, that this way they wanted to marry. You know what I mean? You have a country full of Jews that will promote Jewish in marriage and things like this. Because intermarriage is no small uh, threat. It's been the number one problem the last 150 years. People just won't acknowledge it. I'm talking around the world. Around the world. You understand? Know around the world. If the state of Israel went out of business tomorrow and everybody moved to Chutzlars, you'd see the, the intermarriage go crazy. Now, some people don't give a darn. That goes to the heart of what I'm talking about. Do you feel for the claw? Okay, so what this guy in the article is writing is he says he, he chooses to, for journalistic purposes, I assume, to say that it was an ideal made that we'll let you not uh, uh, go in the army, but you'll daven for us, you'll you'll learn for us, uh, which means you'll be part of us, just doing it in your way. Uh, it's very interesting to me because I've spoken about this in the past. In my personal opinion, I think a lot of the um, bad blood, unnecessary bad blood, that goes on in Israel, on the religious thing, has to do precisely with the idea of, of attitudes and, and, and sprach and rhetoric. Now, I've seen, I think we've seen this in the pol- political developments in Israel this, this week, when they switched the government now, and all the by screaming at each other, in the Knesset, and they're cussing each other out and calling each other names, and so on and so forth. I can't even look. I look for a minute or two, then I turn off. It's a turnoff. Uh, and the reason I say it's a turnoff is it's all about the idea of pr- promoting uh, sectorialism uh, instead of um, unity. I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, it doesn't have to be that I say, uh, you guys stink, and uh, everything you do is illegitimate, and therefore, I don't give a darn about what happens to you at all. I'm concerning myself only with my group. That's not a Jewish way, although it's become. And what it really should be is I'm concerned with the whole claw, and I want to help if I can, where I can, how I can. And we should work out a way where I can help. So, um, I'm thinking, for example, I remember the last war, not this war, but a couple, 2014, I guess it was, 2016, whenever. Uh, you know, they had four years of peace under Trump. It was interesting. But before that, they had the last Gaza war. You remember this. So, uh, do you remember a lot of yeshiva guys drove out there, bring pizzas and stuff like that, and they were dancing and with, with the soldiers, things like that. These were spontaneous. These weren't top-down. These are bottom-up. Guys just wanted to do it. I'm talking about guys from Mir, from wherever. And the point was that, you know, we're all in this together, even though you guys are doing the actual fighting. Now, someone can always be a cynic. That's easy. And say, it's easy to talk that way. This guy's going and getting his head shot off, and you're sitting in the back. I get that. I understand that. What's interesting is the Chilonim did not say that. It was just, I, I observed... 
I like to see Israeli sociology from a distance. I live over here. Uh, sociology, popular psychology is very interesting. And people didn't say, oh, you're, you guys are uh, hypocrites and all the rest of it. They liked the fact that they're showing we're mishtatif with you uh, in one way or another, even if it's a matter of coming and dancing with you or bringing you pizza or things like that. Uh, no, we're, we're, we're behind you. We back you. And for a soldier, the one who's going to combat, that often means a lot. To know that the civilian group behind you is stark, turns out in military history, to be a very important factor in the efficiency of the of the conduct of the military. This is true throughout wars in history. So in World War II, uh, if you know anything at all, uh, just off the top of my head, the Americans suffered terrible loss at a horrible time fighting the Japs in the Pacific Islands. You can't even begin to imagine how bad it was. But they knew the whole American public is 100% behind them. And that was Mechazik, the soldiers and the Marines, to keep up the fight, even though they were being, you know, going through terrible times, terrible, terrible times. It was tremendous chizik to know you had a united front behind you to win victory over the Japanese. Now I'm going to comp- contrast that. They had the Vietnam War. The soldiers knew that everybody back at home, a lot of them anyway, are saying Vietnam War is bad, the soldiers are stupid, it's a, it's a, a atrocities, all the baloney that the left pushed in the uh, 1960s. Uh, that itself hurt the mentality of soldiers and their efficiency. You understand? Uh, in Israel, this is also true, of course. It makes a tremendous difference if you feel the, the, the home front is behind you solidly, each one in his own way, versus if you hold the opposite. That, you know, I'm going to make this up. If you hold the Natura card, is is doubting that you should get killed, which is not true. I'm just saying something like that. The soldier knows there are people like that behind him. This is very terrible. Or from the left, you know, that the leftists are saying you should give in and uh, the Arabs are right and all that. It, it hurts the uh, morale. So it's a matter of actors in the classic Jewish sense of Shavatim. If all the Shavatim are, you know, in the same uh, direction, they can get to the promised land. Even though some Shavatim are on the left, some on the right, some in the front, and some in the back. But they're all around the central Mishkan. They're all around the central idea that we want the claw, the group, to to go and uh, progress. Now, here's the question of why are you learning? What are you learning for? The alienation that has developed, I think more intensely in my lifetime, I mean the last 30, 40 years, than it was before then. I just had a guy over my house visiting last night, uh, Yair Levy from uh, Hebron, and a friend of mine, you know, we always, every once in a while, he comes up, we chat for four or five hours. Uh, and uh, he actually is publishing his doctorate or something like that on um, the Haredi attitudes um, towards Israel, something like that, politics in the 70s, which is the turning decade. That's the turning decade. Before that, there was much more of this feeling of, uh, I'm not going to use the word Zionism because that's crazy. That's not true. But much of our feelings of trying to be part of the claw. Now it's more like it's a period. You understand? Uh, we're we're concerned with our sector. We don't care about the others. We're concerned that we should prosper in Matzliach. The others don't deserve it because they're not from, and uh, they they use bad language. And you know, I, it's what is I have relatives. You know, um, and uh, therefore. 
I think, and I've said this before, that at the end of the day, the yeshiva world is depending on the non-from subsidizing them in Israel. For politics reasons, and BB is the essence of politics, you know, political uh, maneuvers and shenanigans. Uh, it, it is very cynical. You've had, it's funny, you've had a situation, let's just take for the last 10 years, I, don't, I could go farther, just for convenience purposes. What do you have the last 10, 15 years? So, the yeshivas get a lot of money, that's good. As a result, you have a lot of chinuch and so forth, and that's good. But it's not like I'm grateful for you guys that you help us uh, learning. It's the opposite. It's like, we know, really, the only reason you're doing this is for cynical politics. Bibi himself is like the personification of cynical politics. And the firm are comfortable with that. It's like dealing with a, a, a candidate for mayor in New York. It's just a cynical politics. So I don't have to feel any gratitude towards you. I don't have to feel any positive feelings towards you. It's good enough to say, you know, he did it because it was good for him. We gave him our votes. As a result, he paid us off, and so on and so forth. It's like the more corrupt, the better it is. It's funny. Because then you say that the political arrangements have nothing to do with my inner core. My inner core is my own personal hashkafa. My own hashkafa is a very Torah Therefore, you know, in, in politics throughout Jewish history in Gullahs, we've always had to make cynical deals with the people in charge. So that's what's happening now. So there's no such feeling. You have the irony. You have unprecedented subsidization by the uh, by Israel, by the non-from. Uh, and you have unprecedented lack of a karsatov because of the cynical nature, the way it's perceived and interpreted in the in the from world. And this guy, as it caught my attention, was expressing anger in this article because he said like this, you're supposed to be learning from me. You're supposed to be dominating for me. Meaning in general, and I, and I wish you would. But you're not. You're only doing for yourself. So I'm, I'm really uh, angry. I'm peeled. And uh, some, words to that effect. Which is different than saying, you're all a bunch of fakers. There is no God. The whole Torah is baloney. I don't believe in any of this. And you guys are pulling off a bamboozling. Or you're all primitive. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, there's like an implicit deal here. And the deal is you down for us. And you learn for us. And you're not doing that. Therefore, I want my money back, <laughs> so to speak. Now, and even though the guy is not from, that's a very firm idea, because a key element, and here I switch it to the tefillah part, a key element um, of davening is who you're praying for. Now, uh, so I'm speaking today in broad, general terms, but in my opinion, it's very, very important. Um, when you daven every day. Uh, so, it's a requirement, you know, it's, it's obligation. It's a legal obligation. So, you know, there are a lot of times a person doesn't want to dominate. they got to dominate anyway, so therefore they dominate in bed. But, in a regular, decent dominating. So, what do you dominate? Well, number one, you dominate for yourself. That's the way it's supposed to be. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, first of all, you dominate for yourself. Believe me, I got gout now, I'm praying every day to get me out of this uh, situation. That's 100% normal. Matter of fact, what are you supposed to do? If a person has sorrows in life, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to daven. You get it? You know the famous Chazal that says that the matriarchs were barren because God wanted to hear their davening. Right? And he wanted sorrow to say, I'm, I'm childless, help me out. He wanted Rivka, he wanted the, the Rachel. They wanted him to daven. Okay? So there's nothing wrong with that. 
So a person has an illness or a problem uh, economically or in marriage or anything like that, that it's not called selfish. That, that That's a proper. However, does it stop there? You know, I say, well, I took care of me and uh, heck with the rest of the world. Well, it's, uh, I'm going like, well, first of all, most people daven a little bit beyond their Dalai you have to marry, you have a family, you have children. So it's an extension of you. So I would imagine most people, David, especially if there's any problem that ever pops up for their immediate families and you know relatives and things like that, uh, a little bit beyond that, you know, maybe your group, your friends, you know, things like that. I have a friend of mine who unfortunately just got a bad uh, diagnosis the other day. Oh, I've done for him. Okay. Uh, you know, safe. And uh, uh, what do you call it? That's the way it's supposed to be, right? If you are a little more than that, then, you know, you'll down for people in your show, whatever. You see what I'm saying, right? Whatever your concentric circles are. You know, there's some people who don't have any friends. They have no one that are down for that. But as we all know, the prayers are composed in a plural, not a singular form. We all know it says slach lonu, not slach li. Rufainu, um, not Rufaini. Barchalainu, but not Barchalai, and so forth. Shmakalainu, instead of Shmakali. So it's all put in the plural form. So the idea over there is well, you're supposed to pray for Claudius Roll. Okay. So I get that. And that's why you have in Davening, Eliyahu Shalimir, Chabracham Toshu, Esemach David, you know, Hashim Shabtani Varshona, even Lamoshinim. A lot of the prayers are, are like that, right? Always have these broad uh, terminologies that are put in, in the Nusrat Fila in the liturgy by the Chazal who composed them. So it's all supposed to be over there. But what does that mean? What does a from person do uh, to the degree you think about it about those Jews who are not from? Right? Uh, now in America... I think we have a different reality than in Israel. In America, I think in a certain way, really the different groups of Jews have nothing to do with each other. It's very interesting. We're a community of fate. There's no question about that. We all suffer from the anti-Semitism. But in the positive sense, I don't see any community. I don't really deal with people hardly, uh, and certainly not Judaically, who are reformed, conservative, reconstructionist, secular, this, that, and the other. The gay, the this, that, and the other. You know, it, it, it's like a certain divorce. You know, it's an amicable divorce. I live here, you live here, I see you, you see me. But you know, you're not in my thoughts and I'm not in your thoughts. Uh, I'm not saying it's good, that's bad what I just described, but that's the way it is. And I believe that's the more or less the situation I know in America, probably uh, I imagine in the UK and some places like that. I don't know for sure. But... um when you talk about davening for your group, you probably have in mind Jews like yourself. And I get it, because that's your frame of reverence. In Israel, there's a much larger community of faith, and since they're all Jewish and they're on Jewish territory, and the and the Arab threat is, uh, is uh, ever-present and humongous, plus other things, it's a different nature, right? It's a different uh, nature, uh, or at least it should be. And uh, the problem, of course, is what do you do with the from not from split, for example, the cultural 
uh, yawning chasm between the, the the religious and the Chilonim. Well, it turns out, as I said before, a lot of the Chilonim and people who investigate this know this, a lot of the Chilonim, some are really atheistic on like, some of these merits types and all that, but a lot are not, okay? This is a question of how you approach it. This is my understanding. Like I say all the time, I can only show it the way I understand it, right? And a lot of, there's a lot of feeling, I think, I perceive, that people would like to say, would like to feel, you're learning for me. You're keeping Shabbos for me. Ah, you see, well, that's not fair. You have to keep Shabbos too. I get that. But there's this notion that we're all a bunch of Shvatim living in Israel. And these guys contribute their way. These guys do their way. And like I said before, I may not be a person that keeps kosher too well, but these guys keep kosher for the rest of us. Now, one could be cynical about that and say, well, yeah, you know, um, that's just a, a excuse for not doing it. The same way somebody could be cynical about Tarosim Naso and say, yeah, you're just doing that to get out of the army because you don't want you know, uh, to be exposed to the danger. Of course, you can always look at it that negative and cynical way. I understand that. But you don't have to. You can also look at it a positive way. It's possible for a person to say, listen, we're old Seabor. We're the ones that keep kosher on behalf of those who don't. We're the ones that keep shouts on behalf of those who don't. And similarly, we're the ones who are learning on behalf of those who are not learning. We say, well, it's not fair. If you want it, you go, you, you go do it. Right? Turns out that's not the right way to be. Uh, in Judaism, we have, like I said before, regular. And then you have um, the person who thinks a little bit beyond himself or herself. Then we have what we call Hasidus. Right? Now I'm not talking about the modern Hasidus. I'm not talking about Hasidus in classic sense. In the Mesil uh and I must have quoted this in the past, but I don't mind repeating. Mesil Sharm says that uh, when you daven, you're supposed to listen closely to what I'm about to tell you. Uh, when you daven, you're supposed to daven that your Shabbos should count for the other person as if they're keeping Shabbos. They should get credit for it. When you're learning it, they should get credit for it. Wait a minute, that's not fair. They're not doing it. I'm doing it. The credit should go to me. That's not what Hashem wants. Well, I don't care what Hashem wants. I want it to go to my bank account. Well, then don't call yourself a chassid. A chassid wants to do the Ratzon of Hashem just because he wants to do the Ratzon of Hashem. If you're, and that's supposed to be aspirational. It's supposed to be what your your goal is. Shouldn't just be, you know, I'm required to go to Shul three times a day. All right, I don't feel like going to them. I'm going to go anyway. Look how great I am. I'm going even though I don't feel like it. That's a certain way. I, that's the you know the the way of of duty and responsibility. But Hasidus, if you want to know what Hashem likes, not what Hashem requires, then he likes what I just said before. Now I'm looking here at the um, and somebody asked me about this the other day uh, in chapter 19 of Silsi Sharm. He talks about beer chalke hachasidus, because to him chasidus and preachers are uh, very important, and uh, he's talking about different aspects of it near the end. And listen to this paragraph. He says, "There's another thing you have to have bekavonas hachasidus, who tovas hador." You have to think about the fellow Jews, and he means over here the non from ones, the ones that are not acting right. I repeat, this is from the Silsi Sharm. So when you David or do mitzvahs, 
you should have a kavona b'ma'asov. Latovas doro kulo, meaning the from and the not from. Lezakoso sam ulhogain alehem. Wow, that's mamish like Israel today. Pweni shenemar imrut sadikitov primalav quotes a pasuk. Bechein amro yeshveitzimayin. Betiru, here's my point. Zehu ritzonu shalmokam. What God likes is not that the from should be on their own thing and not have anybody else in mind, but rather that the from should say, like this guy was complaining in the blog, even though he's not from, but he happened to stumble on something. You want the from ones to be mezakeh and mechaper. Mechaper means you did something wrong. So in other words, you ate trafe. I, I should be mechaperated with through my eating of kosher or my tefillah. Why should that work? Heck with you. You ate trafe and you were happy to eat your trafe. And you're going to continue to eat trafe tomorrow. Why should I help you? Wrong. Wrong. Ritzona shalmokam, shu chasidi Yisrael, mezakim umechaperim al kol shar hamadrega shabahem. Okay? See, in a Kaddish Baruchavitz b'avdam harashah, God doesn't really want a tit-for-tat. That you, who kept kosher, you get uh, points in your bank account in heaven, and he who didn't get kosher gets points in his bank account in hell. That's not what God wants. Right? And the Kaddish Baruch Hu Chavitz B'Avdam Rishayim, Ela Mitzvah Mutelos Al Chasidim, Lehishtadel, Lezakosam, Lechapraleim. There you have the words black and white. Now, the Mitzvah is on the Chasidim. When I say Mitzvah, no, it's, it's Hashem wants it, he doesn't require it. But if you want to be a Chasid, if you want to do what Hashem wants, then, then this is a requirement. Lechaper aliyem. Now, how are you mechaper on, on, on people today in the year 2021? How are the from mechaper on those who are not from? That's what this guy was was saying, right? You know, we 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 um, give money, our politicians give money uh, to you to do the religious stuff, but you should be go be mechaper on us. You guys are well, I don't want to do that. I mean, you know, uh, you guys are chilim. Uh, you guys are. Don't keep anything, and you don't want to keep anything. You're not going to change tomorrow, and you don't even believe in this stuff. Doesn't matter, right? Now listen very closely. So when, if I was a chassid, when would I do this? When I do mitzvahs, like for example, when I keep Shabbos, when I eat a kosher meal. When I, uh, you know, keep, uh, what do you call it, Taras uh, Mishpacha, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, that's one thing. Vegan bitfiloso bepoel. And when you daven. So he just threw like atomic bomb at you that the davening has to be if you want to do what Hashem wants when you daven. If you're just saying, there, I'm here today because I don't feel like davening, but I'm a loyal yeke, you know, and I'm showing up, fulfilling my duty, and I'm coming to show for chakras. But that's good too. But that's not really ultimately what Hashem wants, just that. Bagam bitfiloso bepoel. This is the words of Mesilla Shisham, not me. Dahainu, sheyis palel aldoro, lechaper, alkol mishetzar kapara. That when I daven every day, three times a day, I should have in mind, right? Lechaper, al mishetzar kapara. Now, all these people who are not from Tzar Kapar, right? All these people who are uh, having bad hashkafas uh, is Tzar Kapar. All these people who are being Mechal Shabbos and so forth and so on. You know, all the other uh, Averis is Tzar Kapar. 
So I should have in mind So with my learning and my in this case my davening, my tefillah, I hope my tefillah will be of good enough quality to be mechaper and the person who's not davening, the person who's being mechal shabbos, right? And to try to bring around uh, make him balshuva, that is already something the firm world uh, agrees with, you know, kiruv. So that that one phrase that that we do have, but the tzara kapara is different. Ulalami sanegori aldor kulab, and to try to be melamit sanegor on them. So you could say, Katz, what are you telling me? You just constructed your own definition of Ben Gurion and the Chilonim and this and that and the other, and uh, you're just saying for your own reasons. And I can understand you would say it. You're wrong, but I, you know, in my opinion, but I could hear you say it. Let's say that. Let's say what you said was true. I don't think it's true, but let's say you said it's true. I would just be fulfilling what he said, which is Lamid Sanagoria Aldor Kulo. How do you Malamid Sanagoria? How do you speak as a defense attorney of, on the whole uh, state of Israel and the whole Jewish people over there? And I haven't brought this to America yet. I'm I'm concentrating in the state of Israel because of what this blog that I read. Right? How do you do that? Unless you try, I think, uh, to say that, you know, we have an interesting system. The others, the the, the, the broad public is not Shomer Shabbos, but they're paying people to be Shomer Shabbos. The broad public is not interested in Talmud Torah, but they're paying people to be Talmud Torah. That, that's, what, that's called Malamit Sanagoria Al-Dor Kula, as far as I understand it. And he even goes and backs it up with... Um, with uh, certain uh, uh, passages, which, uh, if you're interested, read the rest of chapter 19 in the Masil um, Sharm. Now, this stuff sounds radical, although it's written three, four hundred years ago, as you know. Masil Sharm is now what about three years, about three hundred years or so. Um, what I'm talking about, close to four hundred. Um, this is an acre in So, when you daven, what do you have in mind, and should you have this in mind? Um, obviously, the answer is yes. How does one do it? You work it out, you know. But uh, the, I, I don't mean to be funny. I'm serious. You work it out, and uh, I therefore uh, close by saying that uh, one of the most uh, constructive things that people can do, as far as improving the quality of their tefillah, is to reread chapter 19 of the Misil Sharm. I read the whole book, but I read chapter 19 of the Sharm, and I think. Um, that will endow um, the tefillah with a, a better quality. It'll certainly make you think along the lines that the Rebbe Shalom wants you to think uh, and have in mind uh, for, uh, you know, for uh, davening. I repeat, it's not that somebody's taking the easy way and saying this, Rebbe Shalom, make them all do tshuva tomorrow, make all become from. That's also true. But I'm talking about even if they don't. You get it? So how can you pray quote unquote, how can you pay for uh, you know Yair Lapid or Ben Gurion when these kind of things? How's that work? That's what he's talking about in chapter nineteen. So um even though I digressed a little bit from what I was talking about last time, but uh I think what I said now is important because uh it it it's what you call overarching um um kavanas for all davening, for all mitzvahs of course, but davening is a particular time, right? Because when you're davening, especially Shemana three, you're sort of concentrating your thoughts. And that's why he said, which means the kavana you do when you do mitzvahs, including learning, especially by the davening. Uh, so, uh, like I said, I wanted to get that off my chest. 
And I think, in my humble opinion, it's like a very important you so uh, to keep in mind. Otherwise, we fall into the uh, uh, greater period, um, lack of actors, and um, and that's very bad. I don't think at this stage of the game is a danger. You know, all the from people are going to become unfrom. I don't think it's, it works like that. I think uh, the way things are now, the sociology, all the rest of it. I think a lot of people on both sides of the divide would would like to be able to feel that these guys are keeping Shabbos for us. And I'm simply trying to tell you, it's not an un-Jewish idea. I'm not excusing, uh, you know, people for being uh, Michal Shabbos. Uh, that's their problem. You get it? But as far as a Klal is concerned, the Rebbe Shalom wants the from to have in mind um, along the lines that I just described. Anyway, with that, I bid you a uh, good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.